0: If you wanted to um, be physically healthy, if you wanted to be physically healthy or physically fit, um, what would you, or let's just say I wanted to do or whatever, what would I need to do? All right, so what are some, some tips that you have? Well, Hey, Mike wants to get healthy, he wants to be physically fit, what do I need to do? What are just some things that we know? Go ahead and just shout it out. Portion eating, eating healthy. All right. What else? Drink water. water. Sleep, Sleep, getting rest. Yes, very important. Work out, exercise. What's that? Bacon. (laughs) Here's here's what I know. This is kind of where we're going today. We know we know what it takes to be physically healthy. But why don't we do it, right? We know it, but so many of us, it's easy to talk about, but not easy for us to do. What I'm going to talk about today, what I'm going to talk about today, we're going to talk about joy, we're going to talk about happiness, we're going to talk about some things that in a way you're going to like, nothing new, we know how to do this. Oh, but it is something else when it comes to actually doing these things in our lives. We've been going through, trucking through the book of Philippians, talking about joy, talking about happiness. That, that word uh, joy sh- just shows up and sh- just shines bright in these four chapters of this letter that Paul writes from prison. He's in prison, in a jail cell, writing to a church, and yet he's talking about joy. And so as he is writing, I want to talk today a little bit about the path to happiness, okay? You talked about, okay, if Mike wants to get healthy and exercise, here's the path to take. Well, what is the path to happiness? What are some of the things that it would take place? And I wish I, you know, growing up, uh, our culture and just even myself, it was like, well, you go to school, you graduate. You get the job, then you get the girl, then you get the house, then you get the kids, then you get the vacations, then you get the, you know, all the the stuff, right? And you learn very quickly that you can have all the things. And once you get them, it's like chasing carrots. You want the next thing. It's never enough. It never satisfies. So when we talk about joy and happiness, just to set the context, we're not talking about that. That is a roller coaster up and down. That we don't want, we're going to get off that. Paul sets us up for a path to happiness in the book of Philippians that we've been going through. He gives you the roadmap and says, you want to be happy no matter what? I'm in prison. Things look totally unsuccessful on the outside, but I have joy. And that's what I want to talk about in this series and what we're talking about today. It is quite opposite of what we see in culture It is quite opposite of what we feel. We have been talking about, in another way, to just say it in another way, habits. Choices you and I make. We have learned that happiness is not about happenings. Happiness is not about circumstances. Happiness is based on you living out God's plan for your life, no matter the circumstances. And that happiness is not something that you find. Oh, when I get this, then I will be happy. If I have this, then I'll, you won't find it there. Happiness is something you create. It is a choice that you have. It is a, it's a byproduct of right, right thinking and right living, making those choices and those habits in your life. So we talked about, just quick review, we've talked about the habit of gratitude. Having that habit in your life of being a grateful person, happy people, are grateful people. He said in chapter one, whenever I think of you, I am grateful. He could have thought of a lot of things about the Philippian church, but he chose joy. He chose gratitude. He also had vision. He says, I am in chains for Christ. Happy people have vision. It is not based on their circumstances. God's at work doing something else. Even if I don't, even if I don't, can't, amen, like, oh yeah, I'm excited about being in chains. No, I understand that God's doing something here. Happy people have vision, and we got to practice that habit in our life. God's up to something, even if I don't see it or understand it. And today I want to talk about another habit. He's gonna, we're going to focus in on humility. We're going to talk about relationships, because one of the killjoys of life is conflict. I I don't care who you are, you could be the happiest person on the earth, and then if you're the people who you love, if you are in conflict, that can suck the joy right out of of life real fast. Now, just a few weeks ago, we did a series on friendship, and we talked about we don't run from conflict. We will embrace conflict. We will um, not duck it or dodge it. We see that maybe God's doing something in us, and maybe even growing relationships and friendships through conflict. So we've, we've talked about that, but at the same time, I never like being in conflict, all right? It, it, it is a hard, anxiety-producing thing to be in conflict with someone who I love. So it, it is one thing to say, well, I will embrace conflict. It's another thing to say, well, I'm going to go after it and start it. No, I'm, I'm going to try to reduce the amount of conflict in my life, but when I'm in it, when I'm in it, I will look at it through, through the lens of Christ and what he's doing here. But Paul gives us some, a pathway here to maybe reduce conflict in our relationships. He says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit in one mind. To kind of put it in our terms, he says, I want harmony in, in the several areas of your life. Let's, have, let's be in, of, of uh, mental harmony. Let's have emotional harmony. Let's have spiritual harmony. And he says one mind again, but it's kind of like, let's be in, let's be in like, be purposeful. Let's have the same purpose, the same direction, same mission uh, here together. Th- wouldn't this be great in marriage to be of one mind, to have the, just to have this spiritual direction that we're headed in, in marriage and in our relationships? But so often we, we struggle with this. Why? For what I told you about five minutes ago, we know the stuff. We just don't do it. <laughs> um, we we know how to do it, but in friendships, we want this in friendships, and we want this um, in in the church, in our church relationships, in our work relationships. This is we want that type of harmony, and when we don't have it, yeah, when we're in conflict, it makes us want to run. I remember a couple years ago, I was uh, Reed and I. We bought our first house together, and we became part of. Uh, HOA, a Homeowners Association, and didn't really know what that was. Uh, And then they had their first annual meeting. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to this thing, the first annual meeting of the Homeowners Association. Oh my gosh, what a train wreck. Um, I am not kidding. When it turned into a fight and quite literally the one guy at one point was standing up saying you meet me out in the parking lot right now yelling at the uh the moderator for the thing I mean these people were like you will not tell me what to do with my yard and all this sort of stuff we we get protective about our rights and so they were not happy and I was there like oh my gosh this was actually in a church building they rented out a church I'm like my gosh we are in a church this feels like a church business meeting uh not a HOA um cussing and trying to fight each other but um, i didn 't want to go back in fact I never did i 'm like i 'm done with this no way i, I don 't want any part of this and we laugh about church stuff, but we have church experiences where we 've had conflict, and the same thing happens. I want nothing <laughs> this isn 't church. Uh, if this is what church is I want, I want to be I want to be a part of it and all of us have our stories, our wounds, our scars um, and <clears throat> The temptation, and I hear this from, a, from a, too many times, not all the time, but a lot of times, like the temptation is, I don't want anything to do with the church. It's just me and Jesus. But as we said in our friendship series, and as you see here, he's like, let's be of one mind, of one spirit, of one direction. Forgive one another. Share with one another. You can't want another alone. Christ created this church to step in and lean in, and yes, we do have, have difficult times, and sometimes I'll hear people say, well, why can't, why can't we just be like this first church? Why can't we be like the first century church in the way they loved and shared and were so generous, and we saw them change the world? Like, why can't we do that as if they never had any problems? Half the New Testament is letters to churches saying, hey, You guys, you're doing it wrong. Y'all jacked up. Even in this book of Philippians where he's praising them, let me just give you a few. Just a few verses later in verse 14, he says, every one of you, stop grumbling and and arguing with one another. Uh, He also says in in chapter three, I think we got some of the verses up here. He he talks about those dogs. Beware of those dogs and, and to watch out for false teachers in the church, in the church. Yeah, right here. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. What does that mean? They were grumbling and arguing. Why is he writing that? They were, they were complaining. Why is he writing about uh, uh, false teachers? Because they had false teachers. All right. So don't have this, this magical view of the first century churches if they didn't struggle. Oh, they struggled. That's why he wrote the letters. It's why he's writing the letters, to provide a little correction. Verse 4, our, our chapter 4, uh, one more. Um, let, me, let me see this. I think it's on the next slide here. Uh, I plead with Euodia, and uh, i got to say this one right. I even got it in the Greek. Suntuke. Suntuke, to be of the same mind of the Lord. I don't know who these ladies are, but apparently I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side in the case of the gospel. Along with Clement, I don't know. He must have been from the south or something. Um, and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. So here they are. I don't know what's going on. Are they fighting? Who's, who's going to run the Christmas program this year? Who's going to be the president of the choir? I don't know. He doesn't tell them. But he's like, come on, guys. Y'all are fighting in the church. Clement, he's over there running his mouth. Let's get together, all right? Um, they had their own issues. Every church, every church. You're not going to find a perfect church. Freedom Church, we have our own issues. Well, I want to be able to work through those issues. And he's saying, hey, guys, hey, you got God in you? You got the Holy Spirit working in you? Let's be of one mind. Let's be of one spirit. Let's be of one, let's work through these issues. Oh, and I got a perfect example of you, for you, Jesus, who took on the nature of the servant. That's where we're going to go today. He's going to give us the path towards harmony. We want harmony. Well, the path to harmony in relationships, in life, the path to to happiness is is paved with humility. It it has a pavement full of of humility. He says, do nothing. Think about how hard this is. Do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Happy people are are humble people. And what we're going to go through here, this is not natural. It's not going to feel right. My other hesitation in in going over this passage this week was like, oh my gosh, we're going to break huddle here in a little bit, and then you guys are going to leave. And for those who really want to take this on, you're going to get tested. Like you're going to get tested in these things this week to express that humility. Pride, that's the opposite of humility. It's what starts these fights. There's always, whatever conflict you're in, there's usually an element of pride underneath pretty much in every case. I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it, and I want it now. Something along those lines. And that jacks up a lot of relationships. Selfish ambition, do nothing out of selfish ambition. That is, it's all about me. It's all about my needs, it's all about my wants, my fears, my worries, it's about my career. And we know relationships that have severed or have suffered because it's all about them. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. This is what, you know, um, it's, it's, it's not about the relationship. It's about what you can get me. It's about what you can provide for me. We can think about just even in the teenage sense, the homecoming dance, and they have the date. It's not about the date, it's about the image. I can't go alone, I need to have the image right next to me, right? Um, but we can do that in life. This is the sort of stuff that brings down governments and nations. I want what I want. I want it now, and and no one can stop me. Or, you know what, if you're not going to give me what I want, I'll take my ball home, and I'll burn the field down while I'm on my way out the door, too. Selfish ambition. I want what I want, and I want it now. Do nothing out of vain conceit. I'm always right. i got to have the last word. It's a cheap desire to boast. This is a good scripture to put on your mirror, To keep in front of you the next time you want to post on social media do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit i'm just doing this for what you can give me happy people are humble people he says rather in humility value others above yourself not looking for your own interests but each of you for the interests of others Now, listen, I've struggled with this this week going through this passage. This is a beautiful passage of Scripture, but it's just going to step all over our toes. I'm going to try to make this as encouraging as I can be. I love to be challenging. I love to be encouraging. My last hope on this is for me to, to make everyone feel like crap leaving here, because I know we all struggle with this, all right? This does not come natural. So I kind of say that as a caveat. We can do these things. These are habits and choices that we have to make to move us in the right direction. Happy people will pay attention. He says, in humility, value others above yourself. Sounds familiar to Jesus. When Jesus says, they said, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and and might. And then love others as yourself. All right? So he's kind of saying a lot of the same thing. Chapter 1, path to happiness, Jesus first. No matter what's going on, Jesus first. Chapter 2, others first. You want to be happy it's not all about you it's going to be about other people and so he says how are we going to do that how are we going to have relational harmony you're going to value others above yourselves not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interest of others now this is backwards of how we normally think this is backwards to culture for us to be humble Let me ask you this, are you interested in others? Husbands, are you interested in what your wife thinks? Are you interested in in what your kids are interested in? Can I just be honest? I'm not trying to be rude, but by nature, just by nature, I don't really care what you're doing. By nature, I'm thinking about what I have to do later today. I, by nature, I'm not thinking about what you're worried about. If I am thinking about it, I'm certainly not thinking about it on the, the level of anxiety that you are thinking about it. By nature, I think about me. And what Paul is saying here, if you want to be happy, you've got to, you've got to fight your natural self and create a habit to be interested in other people. How do I know that this is is by nature? If I were to get my phone out and say, hey, everybody, let's, uh, let's, we're not going to do this, but let's all just take a group selfie, all right? Everybody cram in and we take the picture. Later, I post it on social media. What is every single one of you going to do when you see that picture? You zero in on yourself. You're where am I? What was I wearing? oh man, I look fat in that color, or oh man, I got a good smile, and depending on how you look in that photo, it's like, that picture stinks, I wish he wouldn't have posted, that's a great picture, I love it, why, because we look to ourselves, I'm not saying anything's wrong with this, I'm just trying to describe, by nature, this doesn't come, it doesn't come natural, you have to build the habit of humility, you have to build the habit of of seeing others first, You gotta gotta practice this. And practice it in the small things and 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 make it a habit in your life. Humility, let's just let's deal with this, and then I want to give you a practical example of this. Humility, being humble, doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. Oh, I'm no you know, hey, good job, that was, I liked the sermon or something, oh, oh no, it's not me, I, I didn't do anything good, I'm just not, I'm not that great, or whatever, as Rita talked about last week, that's just pride, that, that is, that is um, a humiliating way that, to just put all the attention back on yourself, I'm not that good, I'm not that great, it's all about me, 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 which is pride, humility, being humble doesn't mean thinking less of yourself, rather, it is thinking of yourself, less it is not thinking less of yourself it is thinking of yourself or yourself less thinking of others more now there's a a word that has popped up to my brain as we talk about this and in our relationships how can i how can i be more interested in others and and one of the the things that builds relationships the currency of relationships is trust If I don't trust you, the depth of our relationship is going to be limited. There is going to be a cap. The foundation of a relationship is built off of trust. Trust can be taken away, you know this, in a second. You have this bank account of trust built up, and you've built it, and then one act in one second, boom, it can all be wiped out. Trust is gone. And you can't earn it back like that. You you earn, earn trust slow and steady over time. But one of the things that builds trust in a relationship is empathy. What builds trust in a relationship? When I know that you see me, when I I know that even though maybe we don't agree on things, you understand me. When I know that you, you hear me, that you, that you see and you understand, you hear me, and it grows. We connect. We can bond. I can trust you now. Empathy will will build that. But our culture and our natural self says, no, I, the, I, I don't want to do empathy. <laughs> I, I don't like these feelings, Mike. I don't want to feel things. In fact, what is our culture really value? What do we really pay attention to? It, it really comes down to me, it, it comes down to solutions. I don't, I don't have time for this feeling stuff. I don't have time for these relation stuff. I don't have time to see you at work and the struggles that you're dealing with at life. Like, I have time, but really, we have this project and we have this deadline. Or we, we have this debt and this bill to pay. Feelings don't pay the bills, Mike. Solutions do. We value solutions. If I'm on if I'm driving to Albuquerque and Google Maps says you're going to make it there in an hour and 40 minutes, I'm like every one of you else, I'm like we're going to make it in an hour and 35. We're going to beat what Google says. I want I want speed, I want solutions. I want to get there fast. But in relationships, in relationships, slow is fast. You want harmony. You want happiness. It doesn't happen quick. Slow is fast in relationships. I want you to be of like mind, of like spirit, the same love, of one purpose. That's relational. That's slow, and it's going to take time. I put this up there because I kind of want to. I want to sh- show this to you. It's. Um, You know, let's say A is where we're at. C is whatever you want to get to in life. That thing that you think will will make you happy. Could be a deadline, could be a relationship, could be some sort of goal you want to reach. I just want to get from point A to point C as fast as I can. And even when I'm praying to God, I'm like, God, I love you. I'm trusting, I'm waiting, but let's go. Let's get to the thing. You promised this, you said this. I want this to happen. I want to get to C as fast as I can. And many of us, because we're so focused on C, we lose sight of B right in the middle. The process, the journey, the empathy that comes along with it. Showing that someone actually cared. Rita said this last week, and I felt the room just kind of sink in and settle in. She said, If I knew your story, if I sat down and heard what it took for you to get up and come here today, if I I had heard what it took for you to get out of bed today, I would be proud of you. And when she said that, I don't know, I teared up. And I didn't know, like, I needed to hear that. Like, what's going on that I'm tearing up when she said, I'm proud of you from the stage. And I'm like, oh. Like if I sat down with you and I heard your story, I don't think you would want me to say, wow, you got a really hard job. Or you've had it really hard in life. Or what you do is awesome. I I kind of flipped that around. I'm sorry. Hey, what you're doing is awesome. Great job. If I sat down with you I think what might speak more to you is if I can sit down and understand, like, no, you do have a really hard job. That situation that you're dealing with is extremely tough. To to sit down enough, to slow down enough, to look you in the eyes and, and see you, to put myself in your shoes, to understand that you're doing a great job. But it's hard. Don't give up. That's empathy. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ. Well, what did he do? Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't demand his rights as God. Even though he had all the privileges and the rights, he didn't demand them. So many of us, we want to demand what we think we need and deserve. I demand it. And you do have that right, but that may not be the best way to get it. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Our culture values people on how many people serve you. The more people serving you, The more people looking up to you, the more people are like, wow, that person is of great importance. Jesus has it backwards. He says, you want to be great in the kingdom of God? It's not how many people serve you, it's how many people you serve. The first will be last. The last will be first. He he became in human likeness. There's a story in John records in his gospel about Jesus. And John writes that Jesus' friend Lazarus died. Jesus gets word that Lazarus was sick, but Jesus doesn't go immediately to go heal Lazarus. And and, and in the four days that Jesus took from hearing about Lazarus being sick to going to the tomb, Lazarus had already died and was buried, and Jesus comes on the scene. His friend died, and the family's there with him, Martha and Mary. Jesus, where were you? Now, Jesus knows what's going on, and the top billing in this story is the miracle that Jesus rose, it's, rose Lazarus from the dead, as it should be the top billing in this story. But John also records something along the lines that I don't want us to miss and the importance of this. I want to get from A to C as fast as I can. It says, when Jesus came on the scene, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Like, I think Jesus sees the consequences of sin... He sees what death does. He sees how it acts against his friends. And he's emotional here. Now, if I'm Jesus, I know what I'm going to do. I know what's about to happen. I'm like, hey, boys, let's get from, I know we're in A right now, but let's just get to C. Like Ric Flair, whoo, let's get the lights going, smoke machine. We're not ready to have a party. Get everybody around And let's see what's going down. A to C. We got a problem. We're going to solve it. Vanilla ice, right? We're going to fix this thing. But what does Jesus do? He says, where have you put him? He hangs out in B for a little bit. "Take Take me to the tomb. And then John, re- this seemingly ignif- insignificant detail. Jesus wept. We know the end of the story. John already knows the end of the story. He knows, hey, the miracle's coming. Why not just write about the miracle? But he, he, he records that Jesus Wept. There's this moment where Jesus is in B. He's hanging out in B with the people. And I th- th- do not skip over this because the very next verse says, When the people standing nearby said, See, see how much t- he loved him. You could see it through his tears. You could see it through his, emo- his motions. He, he came to earth in human flesh and was one of us, and he was with us, not just for the show, but to show him that he is with you and I right now. He knows exactly where you are, what you're dealing with. He knows. He sees. He weeps and he celebrates. And so often we want God to fix it, but he's right there with us in the middle of it. The miracle comes. The miracle comes. Lazarus, raised from the dead. People start believing and going nuts and going crazy. But news flash, has anybody seen Lazarus today? No. Miracles are awesome. But what happens when the miracle doesn't happen? The Bible shows over. And over and over again, that the miracle is great. They show off God's glory, but eventually, we're humans, and we would stop. We just stop trusting or stop believing. They they don't. They're not the thing. I could get the healing today, but tomorrow something else is going to come. I need something more. You need a relationship with your Savior, and that's what He's showing. I'm, I'm here, like. Remove this story. Just look at the whole life of Jesus. Jesus, as it said in Philippians, became human. Okay. His whole mission, what was it? To save humanity. God comes in human form. Says, I love humanity. I love my creation. They can't earn salvation. I'll do it for them. Okay. Why not just show up in human form? Get the kings around. Get all the Jewish leaders around. Let's just get this thing done. I think we can solve this in about two or three days. 33 years he spent in B, showing you how much he loves you, showing you that he is with you, showing the love and the compassion of God that he has for these relationships. Yes, he completed the mission. But I want you to see, he spent all this time in relationships with people, giving us the model. Hey, Christians, as Paul would say, be like Christ. He had these relationships with people. He didn't just rush around trying to see, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? Let's solve this problem. No, he's like, I'm with you in this together. This comes to a head for me on why can't I stop? Why can't I slow down in life? Another way, th- another way to put it, Sabbath. This is something I started to put into place last year for the first time in my life. It's been the most glorious thing. To stop playing God and trying to fix everything and do everything and solve everything and work 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 my sabbath is not the day that i go and run errands it is a lifestyle that i have started to live to just say i don't have to do all the work god i am not humility he is god he can solve them at a certain point in time i got to set it down and let him do the thing and i can't be in relationship with you I can't be like Christ and love people if I'm in a hurry all the time. Hurry and love do not go together. I don't, why are you so rushed? Why are you so hurried? No one controls your schedule except you. No, 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 my work demands this. My boss says, no, 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 no. You choose how busy you are. And I can't see you. I can't have empathy for you if I'm hurried from A to C and I have no time for B. How do I do this? Choices. <laughs> it's not natural. Our culture celebrates solutions. You may be like me for 41 years have just been go, 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 go. Go, go, then I'll be successful. Go, 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 then I'll have respect. Go, 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 then I'll be enough. Go, 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 then I'll have influence. At a certain point, you realize you're chasing carrots. It's about me and my creator. It's about other people. And it's about time that I start being about other people and I slow down and I see the people that God has placed in front of me. Same for me, same for you. See how much he loved them? And being a found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Pride, how much can you help me? Humility, how much can I help others? Another word for humility like that is love. You practice it in the little things. Like I told you, you're going to get tested. You see trash on the ground at work? That's somebody else's job, not mine. I would say here at church, one of the best ways you can practice that, show up early, stay late. Are you interested in the people in this room? Are you interested in, in seeing the people? Or are you just interested in what God can get you? And I want to get what God can get me, but are you interested here? Value others more than you value yourselves. Be interested in other people. Show up, show up early. Have a conversation with somebody. Stay late. Have a conversation with someone. See somebody today. See every, not just today. Build that habit every week. I'll go on a little soapbox here. You are the First Impressions team here at Freedom Church. You know that. Every single one. It's not just the people at the door that say hello. You determine whether or not we are a stuffy church or not. Even if you're a first-time guest here, no one knows that you're a first-time guest. You know it, but no one else knows. So you get judged by the other first-time guest saying, well, that person didn't say hi to me or whatever. Like, we are the first impressions team. But I'm just saying, you get to practice whether or not it's going to be about you today or is it going to be about other people today, tomorrow, when you go into your job. Is it about you or is it about other people? You get to choose. You get to practice. There is a um, um, uh, Dan Cathy, uh, owner of Chick-fil-A. There's a story about him where uh, they said he he was uh, went to, uh, for some reason, they were at some meeting, but they went to another fast food place. I think it was Taco Bell or something like that. And uh, he goes to the restroom in Taco Bell, and the other guy sees Dan Cathy, the owner-CEO of Chick-fil-A, hand-cleaning the the sinks at Taco Bell. And they're like, you're cleaning for free the sinks of your competitors. And he's like, yeah, we've just taught our staff and and all of our employees and myself, like we're going to leave the place better than we found it, no matter where we go. And no one's ever going to know. No one's ever going to see. That's just who we are. That's how we do it. It's a practice in humility. These are practice, little daily habits that we put in our life. And it's not easy. It's not natural. You're not going to want to do it. You're not going to have time for for doing it. But I want to encourage you to slow down. Happiness comes through self-sacrifice, not through self-gratification. So therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name above every other name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth, And under earth, in every tongue, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Would you stand with me as we close out? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Every single one of us, we will admit that at some point in time. Either admit it now out of love and out of surrender to understand, you know what? I can't do it. (laughs) I need help. I need a savior. Or we'll do it later. But by then, we know it will be too late. Jesus is Lord. Humility, that I am not God. Jesus, in his first sermon, says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who are spiritually bankrupt. Happy are those that know they are not God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, that Jesus is Lord. So today... Are you discouraged? Jesus is Lord. Are you lonely today? Say, Jesus is Lord. Are you overwhelmed in debt today? Say, Jesus is Lord. He's in control. Are you sick today? Have health issues today? Say, Jesus is Lord. Are your problems insurmountable? Are you overwhelmed? Say, Jesus is Lord is your marriage on on thin ice say jesus is lord do you not feel like going on one more day and you're wondering if he's there say jesus is lord our hope is in no other name in no other name than the name of jesus thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week i hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with jesus just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this one rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.